K219KU Nehalem, serving Nehalem, Manzanita, and Rockaway Beach at 91.7 FM. Streaming live and archived at xray.fm. Radio is yours. And now, it's time for Blazer's Edge. Blake to inbound. The Blazers have a 20-second timeout. Nate McMillan deciding whether to use it. Blake now throws to Roy. Brandon, a three-pointer out front. Hit it! Yes, he did! Oh, yeah! Batum throws to Lillard. A three for the game. Hey, hey, welcome into another edition of Blazers Edge Radio right here on X-Ray FM. I am your host, Ryan Buchanan. Uh, My regular co-host, Sam Arnold, is out once again. He is out traveling somewhere doing music stuff. I know he was in Mexico last week. I'm not entirely sure where he is this week, but uh, he should be back for next week. But uh, fear not, we have got the uh, the one and only Mr. Dylan Sage, uh, also from the Holy Backboard podcast, filling in once again. I bribed him with some draft talk to get him to, to come on for another week with me. Uh, Sage, how you doing? Pretty good. You know you can get me to come on uh, the show if you if there's a little draft talk. I'll talk about the Portland Trailblazers for some draft talk. Yeah, it's the little cheese for the mouse. I got to throw in a little exactly. draft talk for you. You know, we talked some first-round guys last week. Uh, we're going to talk some second-round guys this week. We're going to get in the real nitty-gritty of the draft. Uh, but we're, we, as you mentioned, we got some Blazer talk to get to. Big win last night over a... Uh, very depleted 76ers team, so can't read a whole lot into that, but it was nice to see a blowout win. Haven't been too many of those this year, and then we'll um, look around some of the biggest stories around the NBA. We've also got Steven Glickman uh, working hard behind the scenes, doing a fine job as always. And Sage, let's start off with the uh, last week or so of Blazers basketball. You know, you had those uh, very compelling games uh, in the at the end of the road trip against uh, Oklahoma City with a, with a bit of controversy at the end there. Chauncey Billups and Malcolm Brogdon not getting a timeout called. OKC wins that game. Blazers file a protest. They end up dropping that protest. Um, and then they come back the next night in a, a nice overtime win against a surprisingly decent, uh, dare I say, almost good Houston Rockets basketball team uh, as they beat uh, the Rockets in overtime 137-131. to 131. And you go lay an egg in San Antonio against the Spurs, bounce back, you lay an egg at home against the Chicago Bulls, and then you uh, you beat up on the 76ers last night, Sands, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey. So not a whole lot going on for Philly outside of those two guys, and Blazers get the 130-104 uh, to 104 victory, their highest point to, uh, differential victory of the season so a nice little feathering your cap there you get day off tonight and then a very big game tomorrow night Damian Lillard back in town 
with his uh, Milwaukee Bucks and a new coach, Mr. Doc Rivers, will be his second game at the helm. We'll talk more about Doc in a little bit, but I mean, overall, the last you know week or so, you saw some promising play uh, in that road trip in OKC and Houston. You saw some bad play against you know, frankly, bad teams and the Spurs and the Bulls. Uh, and then you saw the whatever you want to take from last night over the uh, over the Sixers again without Embiid and without Maxi. Tobias Harris was still there, but that's not the 76ers as we know them. So what I mean, what do you make of this last week or so of Blazer basketball, Sage? I've been really impressed in the last few games with them getting DeAndre Ayton involved in the games. You saw mm-hmm. it in that Chicago game, and I honestly thought we should have won that because they didn't have anybody that can penetrate the our defense and score at the hoop really it's a jump shooting team yep. and mid-range jump shooting at that and then you know I, I think this reference is only you will really know but going against Vucevic it's like playing baseball in Mexico City your production's just going to go up so much and right. I was really happy that we continued to stay with DeAndre getting those easy points against Dre Drummond and Vucevic aren't the most fleet of foot players no. so going consistently at him and then day two he was also involved or against uh last night he Mm -hmm. was involved and you know he played better big men play better when they're involved a little bit offensively and he's been taking the biggest haircut of all usage out of all the big players in usage so getting him involved getting him motivated having a guy that's seven foot that can block shots and move well that's a really nice thing for the blazers to have so i'm glad that he's been involved. Do I think it lasts? Probably not, but these were two really good games to see a motivated DeAndre Ayton because we've got to know, is he good enough to be paid this much? And I, I, I still don't know. Yeah, uh, jury's still out on that. It, at this point, I would say no, but we'll see. Uh, you're stuck with him either way. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's about damn time that they really get DeAndre involved uh offensively um you know and mm-hmm. he was out for what two or three weeks there and so it took him a couple games to get back in the swing of things but i really like yeah what he's done you know taking advantage last night of a undersized sixers team they roll out paul mm-hmm. reed as their backup five he's only about six nine so you figure that deandre could feast in that situation and he did and he feasted against uh you mentioned not very good defensive centers and andre drummond and, and a nikola vukovic so very, very nice back-to-back games for DA went for 22 and 12 against the Bulls he went for uh 20 or 18 sorry and six last night he had another game uh where he I think it was against Houston where he really really excelled let me pull up his line Prince Zangud is a good defender yeah good defender there yeah 18 and 17 against Houston that one really stood out because yeah you're talking about a quality quality young center one of the bright young centers in the league who's been compared uh to uh Nikola Jokic and uh in Alperin Sengun and he's had a terrific year he should really be I think in the conversation more for the most improved I know the big names are are Tyrese Halliburton (laughs) and and Tyrese Maxey but in in terms of the kind of the the true spirit of the award you got to look at a guy like Sengun as he's really taking that next step to a an emerging star out there in Houston absolutely and like he is their number one option you think they bring in Fred Van Fleet and he's gonna run the show well he's chilling in the corner having Alpren pick make all the decisions out of the high post to have a team that we all thought they were gonna suck be yeah mediocre 
is all on Av Pren because he has such a high usage rate, has such a high assist rate. He is involved in damn near everything they're doing offensively. Defensively, he, there's obvious issues, but when you got, if Tari Evans was healthy, but you got uh, Jay Shantay, you have all of these wing players that can, you know, make up for the deficiencies defensively for Alperin, and all he has to do is focus offensively. That is a very, very good team. Yeah, and I think we owe Houston an apology, at least I do, because I, I made fun of them a lot for their uh, for their moves this offseason. You know, it didn't seem to make a ton of sense throwing the bag at, at both the Fred Van Fleet and especially throwing the bag at a, at a Dylan Brooks. But, I mean, they've been they've, – I keep waiting for them to really fall off. And, I, I mean, they're in 11th place in the West. It's not like they're lighting the world on fire. But 22 and 24, that's a whole lot better than I thought they would be more in a situation mm-hmm. like the Blazers. We're well below 500. Got to give Ime Udoka some credit as well for, for turning things around. And I think the the big thing for me that stands out, talked about Houston a little bit more, is what Fred Van Fleet has done for Jalen Green. I oh, think totally. that's been huge, as opposed to playing with you know Kevin Porter, who's out of the league now because he he can't get his act together. You've now got a, a, a terrific veteran in Fred Van Fleet who can still play at a really high level, kind of mentoring Jalen Green, allowing Green to be more that true shooting guard. And, and I think that has been that has done wonders for them. And now you're looking at that core going forward with a Green, with a, with a Shangoon. You got some other guys on you know, Tari Easting you mentioned. And all of a sudden the future's looking pretty bright in Houston. Amen Thompson could be. Amen Thompson, special. yeah, and he, yeah, he's so he's a little bit behind the eight ball because he missed about what a month or so with an ankle injury right at the beginning of the year. He's starting to get more and more run. You saw him a little bit in the Blazer game. Yeah, let's not forget about Amen too. Uh, they've got some cooking in Houston, Sage. Yeah, and you talked about Jalen Green. When I watched him in the G League, he was like the best off ball cutter I've ever seen. So get him off ball and have him cut to the basket and have Fred and. Alperin just feed him the rock like having that he's so athletic having that level of cutter on your team with two players that are absolutely happy to pass on the ball mm-hmm. is a great thing and then you put a, a man in there as well who like one of the best point guard prospects I've seen they they can do something good as long as they buy into that defensive mindset they can be awesome I mean that that's the real difference between us and them is they have a they bought into something and we absolutely have not. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Now, do you see do you see them being active at all in the with the d- trade deadline coming up next week, maybe looking to sell? I would love one of their three wings. Who? The, the uh Jay Sean, uh Cam or Tari. I don't think Cam's going anywhere the way he's playing right now. I don't right think now. Tari's going anywhere. No. I would take Jay Sean Jay Sean? I think he's good. Yeah. Yeah. But you think he'd they You'd go to more of a contender, though, I would think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I would. I mean, the trade deadline's here. coming up. I think that yeah. they should be active in trying to like. They're just such a a wealth of wing talent there that they need to sell to let some of those young guys get that much needed run. Yeah, but I mean, you're look. I'm looking at the standings right now. I mean, they're right in that play in race. They could mm-hmm. they could make some noise. Like, I mean, they just blew out the Lakers the other night. They could. They could conceivably make a little run and, you know, make it to that first round of the playoffs. Totally. I mean, you don't want to go in a one-game series with them just because they're so they're so different than most teams. Like, like the big is doing all of the, 
the playmaking work or not all but most of the playmaking work so it's it's such a different thing to to deal with when it's instead of like a scoot henderson doing everything it's a seven foot dude making the decisions i think it would be really fun and it's conceivable if we saw a nuggets rockets first round matchup as the one eight kind of the that'd be, you got that'd be fun you got joker and then you got baby joker i think that would be uh tremendous to watch obviously I, I would probably take the nuggets in four or five in that series but that would certainly be fun to watch and a good test uh for houston All right. experience too for the rockets exactly and that's what they need at this point yes more and more experience all right Back to the Blazers. Uh, you, you mentioned DeAndre Ayton getting more and more involved in the paint. I also uh, really like what he's been doing with Anthony Simons in that two-man game. It really stood out in San Antonio. The Blazers were depleted in that one due to injuries, guys leaving early. Uh, Grant left early due to injury. Ant left early, or uh, rather, Scoot left early due to injury, I believe. Ant, oh no, Ant played that game, right? Because it was him and DeAndre Ayton that were really the only ones that could get anything going. That lethal two-man game, kind of a little reminiscent, now different, but a little reminiscent of what we we saw over the last handful of years with a with a Nurk and, and Damian Lillard, where once they get that thing going, it can be very lethal. Hmm. I think a bit more. I, I I don't think of DeAndre as a Nurk. I think of him more as on Whiteside. But I get what you're saying. Um. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to be done with Ant in the playmaking department. I still don't think that he has the vision to see anything peripherally. But he knows, like, if there's a Ant, you're going to pass it here. He's going to pass it here, and it's going to be fine. I I just want to see the reps build with Ant in an on-ball role. But right now, I mean, if it's if the play is, we're going to get Da the ball. He's going to get him the ball. I I just don't know if I, he'll ever have the creativity to go off script and find people right. uh, in, in a passing role. We want to hear from you as well. X-Ray text line is open, 971-220-5979. That is 971-220-5979. Any thoughts on the Blazers? Any thoughts around the league? You got a, a second-round prospect you got your eye on, or maybe a late first for that matter, uh, maybe a tweener guy even. Uh, 971-220-5979. Hit us up on the X-Ray text line. And Sage, going back to that game Sunday against the Bulls, that was right about the same time as the ending of the NFC Championship. And I saw you tweeting about the Blazer game. Now, please tell me you were watching both. I was watching both. Okay, thank yeah, you. I because mean, I was concerned that you were, were watching Blazer Bulls 2024 over one of the more exciting NFC championships, uh, conference championships games that we've seen in a while. So that, that at least gives me some uh, my, uh, my peace of mind. My job is to talk about the Blazers. So <laughs> I, I mean, you I could watch them later. You could watch it later. I guess. But so for everybody that's curious, I have two screens. One's right here and one's right here so i i i was watching three things at one time so what was the other there game? was a tournament there was a uh there's a lions what? game and then the blazer game so i was watching all three at the same what was time. the first one rainbow six siege it's a uh team-based shooter oh shooter. Well, video, uh, game. video game. <laughs> okay i thought you said some tournament somewhere 
Some yeah, like a Australian. Six each okay, that ter- okay. I thought you meant like an actual yeah. basketball tournament. Okay. No. <laughs> okay, yeah. so you were. Uh, I have you were, other. I have other likes than just basketball. I forget right? about that. I mean, you used to be a, a huge football guy too, and you still are. But, I used uh, to be. Yeah. You've gone more into the uh, basketball game. I was. Ju- I was just concerned when I saw that. I was saying, please tell me he's at least still watching the football game because that was great. I but- mean, yo, I thought you'd be more. Like curious about my actions when I'm talking about a Providence basketball game on Twitter and not the Blazers game that's going on. Yeah, uh, you've been all over <laughs> Providence basketball. <laughs> I have. Garway is interesting. He's not a this year guy though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll get into draft talk in a little bit here. One other thing I want to talk about with the Blazers, Sage. Um, you kind of alluded to it when talked about you know DeAndre Ayton is he worth the money? I want to kind of talk about as it stands now we're about a week and uh, about nine days out from the trade deadline. I want to look at who in your eyes would you consider untouchable on this Blazers roster right now? Because I can't imagine there's too many guys on that list. Scoot and Shaden. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at, too, is that's kind of the two guys that you've penciled in as your leaders of the future. Now, if we expand that a little bit, not untouchable, but who do you see as foundational pieces going forward besides those hmm. two guys? If we're putting contract in it, even though I don't like him, Tumani's in there because he's so cheap. Why don't you like Tumani? Well, actually, I like him as, as the ninth man. I don't like him as the fifth man, if okay. that makes sense. I so, think he was overextended as a starting small forward. And people league. freaked out about him early and, and put uh, kind of unrealistic expectations on him. But I mean, Lamar was yeah. probably the worst person at giving him <laughs> unreal expectations. So, And that just went through the entire Blazers community. And I was like, right. oh, he's an NBA player, but he's a ninth man on a, on a team, not the fifth man in a starting lineup. So... But he's pretty untradeable because he his salary is just so little. So you put Chris in that as well because he's not gener- you're not getting much for him. So I guess the young guys plus Scoot and Shaden. Like if someone knocks our socks off for Anthony, peace. Like you know right. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But now do you have full confidence going forward in Scoot and Shaden at this point that you could move on from an, a more proven guy in Anthony Simons? I know it's been a while since we've seen Shaden, and he's certainly proven it more than and Scoot has, although he's got an extra year on Scoot. And we we talked about Scoot last week. You and I are both still very high on Scoot Henderson. We don't think he's a bust by any stretch of the imagination. But do you feel confident enough at this point to be able to move on from an Anthony Simons and, and really throw all your eggs in that Scoot and Shaden basket? So if, if the trade is there and it just makes so much sense, then yes. I'm not trading Ant just to trade Ant right. for fun like it's NBA 2K. <laughs> But if if somebody says, if Orlando calls and says, we'll give you Franz Wagner for him, then yeah, I'm going to do it. Or if they give us Anthony Black and multiple picks, sure. But I'm not doing it just to do it. But I, I mean, the fit between those three guards could be tricky. So if someone knocked our socks off, I would definitely do an Anthony trade. If they all, and if Ant ends up sticking around, Hypothetically speaking, how do you see a a three man guard rotation of those three working when you're ready to contend? Can you start all three who or who comes off the bench in that scenario? Well, I think they've played like five minutes together, so it re- like we don't know. 
And you're well, we in your mind though, it. you're the coach. You're Chauncey Billups. How do you how would you handle that if you have all three of those those guys going forward? What do you think would be the the most beneficial use for all three of those guys? I would empower Ant to be as as athletic as humanly possible, trying to get rebounds and push. But I would have Scoop make the ultimate decisions and Ant would get a lot of easy jumpers. Shaden can space the floor or cut. I, I think it's on Ant to just not be a net negative defensively and not take as many plays and go pure ISO where he dribbles the ball east-west for like 18 seconds and then shoots. But, you know, it, his pull-up shooting is so valuable that I want to empower that. I just, he has, you know, the 0.5 thing the Spurs talk about? Yeah. You make a decision in 0.5 seconds. Anthony and Jeremy are so bad at 0.5 decision making. So I think you got to empower them to make quick decisions and go with it. So that's kind of what I would do is just like, guys, there's no more east west dribbling. You got to go north south if you're trying to dribble the ball. All right. Do you see a scenario in which all three guys can start together? Or do you think somebody in that scenario would have to come off the bench? Who's our coach? Is Chauncey our coach? Uh, can I have whoever I want? You can have whoever you want. Okay. I, th I think a creative coach can make it happen. I just don't know if Chauncey Billups is that creative of a coach to, you know, empower all three to do, be their best and, uh, you know, not favor one. Because Anthony obviously is the most favored player out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got Grant. the tenure. He's clearly the best right now still, um, as you've seen. I mean, he, I know he's been off the last couple games, but he went on a real heater there for the majority of that road trip. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, you're going to have to get over that at some point and it's going to be, you know, with the, with the politics and it's going to have to be, what's the best fit for this team, not whose feelings do I not want to hurt? So that's going to mm -hmm. be, and that, and Chauncey Billups, I, I, I don't think is capable of making that call, but hopefully when you talk about the next coach, assuming there is a next coach, if there isn't a next coach then this conversation's moot because, uh, moot. you're not going anywhere anyway, <laughs> but assuming there is a next coach in the next couple of years that can make these tough decisions. Yeah. I'd be curious to see how that works out. I would, in, in, I think in a perfect world, I would like to see a starting lineup of a, of a scoot and a Shaden, and then bring in Anthony as your super sub off the bench. And I, and you can go, you know, all three of those guys at the same time, even closing out games if it works. But I think, I think, I guess look at Anthony. I think that he would be so good as that spark plug off the bench that comes in in that He'd second unit. He'd be the best unit. six man ever. Exactly. And I think if you can paint that picture to him, talking about like you can be, you know, Lou Williams on steroids out there. Manu, I, yeah, exactly. Manu on, yeah. I I think that that could be really really intriguing for this team. I don't have confidence that that's going to happen. But you have to have someone to sell him on that role, and that yeah, and that's got to be the yeah. coach. And and there's very few. I think there's very few guys out there that could make that tough call, right? Mm -hmm. That would there's a select few that could make that call. You need to find somebody who can make that call, and as you said, who could sell that to him. But that's all, uh, you know. That's all, you know, a ways out in the future. I want to talk about Jabari Walker as well because I'm really I've been high on Jabari Walker, and he just continues to excel uh, as the starting power forward. You know, just shoring up that rebounding game, taking a lot of pressure off Jeremy Grant, where he can focus more on his scoring. Do you? Do you see Jabari Walker as conceivably a starting power forward on a contending team? No. No? Okay. Sorry, you no, didn't I even know. think about it. No. I think he's a role player on a good team, sure. But starting four? 
No. You don't see it. Okay. You have to be so your team has to be so good to be a contending. Like Aaron Gordon might not be good. You know, if he didn't have Jokic, he wouldn't be good enough. So I don't think Jabari is at that level. I think Jabari is a really good rotation big, but there's a difference between rotation big and uh starting power forward on a contending team. Okay. Yeah, I I mean I can see it. I can see it. I could see him being, you know, he's probably at that point your fifth best starter like you mentioned. It would it would really depend on, you know, who your who your small forward is, who your center is, but I mean I could see it. Conceivably as a guy who whose job is to go out there and lock down rebounds. He's a capable defender. And a guy, especially, you know, on the offensive glass, he can clean up. You don't have to run anything for him. If he continues to expand his outside game, I could see him being uh, your yeah, power forward in the future. To, yeah. The outside game has to be, you know. And he's shown some promise in the outside game. It's not like he can't well, shoot at all. Yeah, but it's really, in theory, he can shoot. But I would test that theory a lot. And if Jabari Walker beats me, you know, that's fine. We'll yeah. take that loss. He's the. T- I think he has to get the respect from NBA defenders before we even talk about it, because they could just let him shoot. He needs to be good enough to draw a closeout from a defender, and I don't think he's there yet. He's still only twenty-one, and he's shown promise. So I'm, I'm still not giving up hope that he can turn into you know a thirty-five percent three-point shooter enough for the defense to respect you. Okay. I'm holding. I'm, do, I'm really I mean, high in Jabari Walker. I love, okay, and, and I have been for a while. Fine that you are. Yeah. What was your question? Uh, I don't know. I was gonna be mean, but go. Oh, go ahead. Be <laughs> mean. Be mean to Jabari Walker. Go ahead. I think he's. I think that he provides a lot, but I don't think he's good enough to be a, a power forward. I was gonna be mean to you, not. Oh, Jabari. okay. How are you gonna be mean to me? I already forgot. So. Oh. <laughs> Coward. <laughs> Uh, okay. Let's. We love each other. Yes, we do. Uh, yes, we do. It's a very odd couple um, feel. That's what I always get whenever you come on is that it, it sounds like the odd couple. So take that for what it's worth. Um, okay. Any other foundational piece? Go, I mean, like a DeAndre Ayton. I know contract wise he probably is, but do you feel confident with DeAndre Ayton as your starting center when you get more into getting towards contention? I don't know yet. I mean, it's just like, it's the worst possible context where, you know, he had Malcolm Brogdon and Anthony Simons passing him the ball and he, like, gets six shots a game and is unmotivated. Like, if he can be motivated and empowered, maybe, but I, 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 I'm I, not convinced yes or no right now just because the Blazers right now are pretty awful when it comes to getting the big into positions where they can succeed. Yeah. Although they have gotten better, as you've talked about over the last handful of games, we've seen some improvement in that area. When things get bad, people are going to revert to what got them there. So in a, in a game that's quote unquote important, I bet you Chauncey Billups goes back to the ISO Jeremy Grant, ISO Anthony Simons thing. I think they'll forget. They'll conveniently forget to get DeAndre the ball because it's only been three games, and we're talking about it like, right. you know, it, 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 it's law. I, I I really want to see it consistently before I believe anything. By the way, DeAndre Ayton, so he's making that thirty-two and a half million this year. 
He is set to make $34 million next year, $35.5 million in 25-26. And then in the uh, going into the summer of 26, he is an unrestricted free agent, and he will be 28 years old. So please just still have a little bit of time to see, you know, hopefully if not by next year, then the year after you've got more of a more of a feel of what your uh, what your core is really going to look like and if DA fits in uh, with that core and if you opt to resign him or if you look to maybe flip him uh, at the trade deadline in 2026. So they've still got a little bit of time to figure that out to your point as uh, we just haven't had enough of a sample size. I agree with you to to see if that's the if he's the guy going forward. But is there any other player on this roster who you feel really, really confident about going forward that you would like to see? Not not untouchable, obviously. You only mentioned the two. Anybody else that you really think could uh, could be a, a key piece going forward? One last thing about DA in okay. the center position in general. Centers in the NBA are kind of like running backs in the NFL. If you have yeah. an elite one, abuse it. You know, Christian McCaffrey, elite. Feed him the ball as much as his body can take. But there's some teams that just go off the scrap heap every year and contend. So it, if DeAndre can prove that he is in the top tier Christian McCaffrey level centers, sure, keep him. But if he's not, mm. Daniel Gafford's there. Yeah, Clint Capella's cheap. There, there's guys that are obviously worse than him, but salary-wise is going to make your team fit better. That's a lot of money to right. give somebody you have a question about at center. Yeah, and and he's not in that. In my opinion, he's not in that top tier. When you're talking about the, I mean, obviously not the Jokic, Jokic or the Embiid's, but he's. I mean, those are kind of the two. That, is there anybody else that you you have in that top tier? Those guys kind of stand out on their own right now, but I mean, who else would you consider to be one of those Christian McCaffrey like centers? AD, A- AD, you've got the AD. yeah, yeah. When you've got uh, you know, you've got health involved there with you know, can he stay healthy? Obviously, you've got health with Joe Embiid too, but yeah, I, I, Anthony Davis would be a good one. It's really those three, right? And I and I, I mean, I don't think that DeAndre Ayton is particularly close to that level at this point. I mean. If he could be the le- the other tier down, I think it'd be worth it. But yeah, we really just don't know because the 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 surround the things surrounding the team just aren't good for a center to to show that they got it. I mean, like but you, obviously, but you would never think of him in the same breath that you would think of those three. No, no, no. You think if things him have more, to change with yeah. his mentality too. exactly. Yep. All right. Well, any, I think that any, he says talented enough, but oh, mentality is, you know, yeah. Okay, so going back to my other question, do you do you see anybody else on this team? Maybe a Chris Murray. I know we haven't seen a lot of him. You know, I, I know a lot of people are high on Ryan Rupert. Haven't seen a lot of him either. Is there anybody else that you really, really like that's maybe not getting the time that you could see as a as a key piece going forward? I mean, Chris Murray, but he just hasn't been able to put the ball in the basket much. Yeah. But I love what he can do defensively his IQ is really high it's just he shoots it at a really odd angle he needs to add more arc for the the ball but I I, I believe in him but again if someone is offering me a first next year for my do it right. I'd give it up yeah he's been a little but, disappointing uh for sure you I, I like him yeah but, I like him too but I figure he was a guy who could come in more and and play every day and and make it 
meaningful impact, and that's just not been. I know he wasn't getting the time early on, but now that he's getting the time, he he's not a consistent guy, not as consistent as you would have expected him to be given his production at Iowa, and you know certainly what his brother was able to come in and do right away for Sacramento. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna shift gears a little bit. We're gonna talk about the league at large, and then after that, we're gonna get into our uh, draft discussion, talking about some of our favorite second round prospects, or maybe even late first round prospects that we consider second round prospects, Zach Eady. Uh, so that's coming up next. Uh, you're listening to Blazers Edge Radio on X-Ray FM. Support for X-Ray comes from Beeline Urban Delivery. Beeline supports businesses with access to zero emission delivery, warehousing, and advertising services. More at b-linepdx.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from New Deal Distillery, located in southeast Portland for over 15 years. New Deal Distillery makes craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. New Deal spirits are available in their tasting room as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. For more information, visit NewDealDistillery.com or their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Spielman Bagels and Coffee. Opened by Rick Spielman and his son Raph, Spielman has been serving handmade boiled and baked bagels and coffee since 2011. Their flagship store can be found on Southeast 21st and Division, or find one of their other shops on Northwest 23rd and Lovejoy, Northeast 22nd and Broadway, or in Multnomah Village. Back at it here on Blazers Edge Radio. It's now time for three questions brought to you by New Deal Distillery. New Deal has been located in Southeast Portland since 2004, 20 years now. They make craft vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, rum, liqueurs, and more. Their spirits are available in their tasting room at 900 Southeast Salmon Street, as well as cocktail lounges and liquor stores near and far. More information, as always, is available at NewDealDistillery.com. Sage, my first question for you today pertains to those Milwaukee Bucks that we mentioned earlier. We mentioned last week, right before our show, uh, Adrian Griffin was fired. Later on that night slash early morning, depending on what source you want to go with, Doc Rivers was officially uh, brought on as the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Is he the right fit to lead this team to the promised land? No, because he doesn't doesn't incentivize three-point shots. So I think that he he has to prove to me that he knows how, what to do with Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley and Brooke Lopez with the threes. Because if you look at what he does, like, of course they take threes, but this team was built to play four out with Giannis being the one in. So, and they've done, they built it perfectly. So I'm very curious to see how he deals with the the three point attempts. So right now I, I don't feel like he is uh, the right coach for this job. Is there anybody you would have liked to see the Bucks try to bring in in season? I know it's tough because it's you're talking about guys that are you know not probably in not coaching working. right now, yeah, or yeah. an assistant somewhere. We've seen that before. Yeah. Anybody? I, don't know. I mean, you know, you know how I feel about Charles Lee. Charles so I would have loved I that was to go going. back home, but he's going to be a Blazer next year, so it's okay. chill. Well, and that Char- I mean, Charles Lee, you don't you don't want a guy in his first time head coaching position in there. Again, that's the thing you ran into with AG. Just like Griffin. what they did to AG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that would just be making the same mistake. That's not fair on Charles Lee. You need someone who's been there 
kind of done that, you know, Doc Rivers. But uh, it is it is interesting that they bring in Doc because Doc Rivers most synonymous with uh, choke jobs and when it comes mm. to uh, playoff series. You know, I know he won the, the championship back in Boston, but that's ancient history at this point. All we remember now is the is the years in Philly when he couldn't, the years in L.A. and then the years in Philly where he couldn't get it done with a, with a whole lot of talent. So I don't see a reason yep. to believe this time will be any different, but I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I would have liked to see if I'm Milwaukee almost anybody else other than Doc Rivers. I just don't. That's not inspiring me if I'm a fan of the Bucks. That's not inspiring me as a, you know, okay, now we got this. That's a, really? You're going to the Doc? I don't I don't like it. Not one bit. Uh, question number two. Now, I, before I get to question number two, I need to uh, kind of take a temperature here. Assuming the Celtics are number one, assuming the Bucks are number two, talking Eastern Conference teams, do you have the Sixers as the clear-cut third-best team in the Eastern Conference? Yeah, when they're healthy. When they're healthy. Okay. The assuming they're good. healthy. Yeah, as uh, as it's constructed. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. So yeah, that one, two, three. Great. Okay. Assuming those are your top three, who is the fourth best team in your eyes in the Eastern Conference right now? Are we assuming health? Assuming health. Okay. So you're so Darius Garland is on the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Mobley obviously came back Mobley. last night. So yeah, team, they're healthy. Guy, anybody that's not out for the year is uh, is considered part of this exercise. I, I believe in the Cavaliers more so than the Knicks and Pacers. You got two guys that can really change a series, and then the Twin Towers. Evan Mobley's so good. If he's 100%, and then Jared Allen's good. Like That team is built to be a uh, contending team, so I would put them at four. Um, Pacers are just so bad defensively, and the Knicks are kind of underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got the heat in there, too. I know they've lost seven in a row. The Scary Terry experiment hasn't exactly worked out so far, but you can't write them off. You know, Magic are clinging on there as well. That's about as far down as I would go. But, yeah, really, you're talking probably those three Knicks, Cavs, Pacers. I'm going Pacers. I just really I just really like what they've got. They've got the veteran coach and a Rick Carlisle. Um, you know, I know the defense is not there, but they are a hell of an offensive team. Uh, bringing in a Pascal Siakam is huge. Uh, you know, it's an offensive day and age in the NBA. You can get away with not being great defensively if you're really, really good offensively, and that's what they are. All you got to do out is outscore the other team. And I, I, I like their swagger, you know, with Tyrese Halliburton. I know he's back out, but he'll be he'll be due back in the lineup soon. I guess think there's something cooking there in Indy that I don't necessarily see in New York and in Cleveland. Um, and obviously those two have been there the last couple of years, but have uh, struggled when they once they got to the playoffs. Um, so I'm curious to see if either of those two can make the jump. But right now I'm going Pacers if I had to pick. I mean... I don't believe in them until they play Jairus Walker legitimate minutes and take Obi Toppin and his awful defense and trade him away. Oh, you're just getting ready. You're just getting rid of uh, Toppin. Yeah, it is weird that Jairus Walker has hardly played at all. Yeah. Well, Obi, like, I I know people think that he's a good defender because he jumps high, but he's actually, like, if you look at statistics, he's like buddy healed level at protecting the basket with that jumping ability. Come on now. Yeah, but he's improved his outside game this year. 
Oh, talking Jairus to Obi. is better. Jairus is better. Yeah. Well, J- Jairus hasn't played. Jairus has played in 15 games this year, averaging 11 minutes. I mean, he was a, the eighth overall pick, and he hasn't played at all. That second-year bounce from him is going to be incredible. I, I, Blazers should legitimately use their first-round pick and the Wizard, uh, the uh, Warriors pick and get Jairus. Okay, I know you me- you mentioned Obi defensively, but offensively he's having a by far a career year, 11 <laughs> points, four boards, shooting 58% from the field, just shy of 40% from three. Both those numbers way, way up over his uh, days with the Knicks. He's been uh, in and out of the starting lineup, but, uh, you know, it, it's clearly a, a rotational piece for them. I really like to see it. I really liked Obi coming out of Dayton. I like to see him putting it all together. Uh, with those stiff stiff hips, yeah, you well, like that? You can't do anything about that. Him being older than Jason Tatum as a rookie, you like that? He's, he's making the best of a difficult situation. That's what I like to see. Obi Toppin doing work in Indiana. No slander here uh, from me talking about Obi. Um, okay, now my third question for you. Uh, it's been uh, the subject du jour of the NBA over the last week or so with uh, you know Luka dropping 73 in a game where both teams, I think, scored 140. You had, you know, Booker's scoring 60, it seems like, every other night. Uh, Embiid scored 70 the other night. Is there too much scoring in the NBA? As a, as a, talking as a, as a fan here, kind of watching, is it is it getting to be too much? You're talking to a dude that played Daily Fantasy for 10 years, so no... Put that. But try I, I to mean, put like, that aside, and from the from aesthetically, you know, is it is it too easy to score right now? You're watching the worst offense play basketball. No, it's really hard to score. <laughs> We're talking so teams I, not named the Blazers. So I think in general, people think that offense is easier than defense. I've, I, people have I said that offense is harder than defense, and I like that was the most reactive thing I've ever gotten that I've ever said. So I think that it is a lot harder to be a offensive team than a defensive team because you have to think about spacing. You have to think about creation, all of these other things offensively. So the teams that are really good at it, they increase pace. So there's more uh, times to get the ball. And yeah, the, the offenses like they're good offenses. The Blazers just don't have the right scheme. So we struggle. We have offensive players. They're just not put in the right spot. So, no, I, I think that if we're talking good teams, I think it's great that they have that advantage over us bad teams that don't haven't figured it out yet. So, no, I think that advantage of being a really good offensive team should be, you know, everybody else has to catch up. All right. And Blazers haven't. I would like to see the game. I was really thinking about this the other night. I, I can't remember if it was last night or the game against Chicago. No, it was last night. It was the it was the game where they called the double technical on Pat Bev and uh, Chauncey for joking with each other. It, it, that game, I just think the game is overly officiated right now, and it makes it really hard for me to watch. I would like to see it go back more to the days when there's some, you know, genuine, uh, you know, not necessarily fisticuffs, although I wouldn't be opposed to that, but there's a lot more kind of grit to it. I think it's too... It's too easy right now. You're calling way too many fouls. I would like to see it go back a little bit, not necessarily to a, you know, where it's 85-80 as your final scores, but there's got to be some middle ground here. There's, I guess don't, the whole, the, the type of games when it's 140 to 140 and, you know, both teams are shooting 40-ish free throws, it just doesn't do it 
for me as a fan. I would like to see a little bit more of a flow. Um, and and, so, I, and I think you got to you got to call fewer fouls. I think that's the key. So you're fine with the scoring. You just don't want Joel Embiid to be a foul merchant. Yeah, I don't want to see a free throw contest. That does nothing. Like but if they're if they have a great concept, and uh, if we're talking Pacers, the fastest paced team, the best offense, you're fine with that. You just don't want Joel Embiid to be a foul merchant trying to get foul shots. Exactly. Yes. Because I hate it. Is okay. I hate so, it from a from an aesthetic perspective watching it. But the offense in general is fine. You just don't want them to try and generate 15 points. Yeah, I would like... Well, I mean, I'm fine with offense, but I would like to see defenders be able to defend more and not be called for, you know, every little ticky-tack foul here and there. If you can score through that, by all means, I'm for it. But I would like to see... I would like to see more of a flow to the game. I'm just... I I think the officials are just over-officiating the hell out of games nowadays and everything is being called a foul. And I think we need to get back a little bit of just letting them play, letting the game breathe a little bit and and getting some of the the juice back into it because there's nothing that takes, that sucks the air out of a game like teams just taking turn taking foul shots and a whistle every three seconds. I'm fine with that. I just think that... I think the, the question should have been, Referees need to do better than. Oh, okay. You know, so like, you're criticizing my question now. I guess. I guess. <laughs> okay. I, I guess I am. Okay, we got an editorial here. Am. All right. All right. So the the question apparently should have been: Are are referees doing a poor job? Uh, and in They're that case, they're impacting was... the game too much. They're impacting the game too much. Well, yeah, and I agree with that. Okay, but I don't think that it's offense in general. I think the one thing that you dislike about basketball now is the refs dictating so much well yeah i think everybody should dislike that okay they shouldn't know we shouldn't know any of the officials names (laughs) in a perfect world we don't know any of the officials names you know they're not i hate the whole concept of now with the with the replays how they're kind of trying to interject their personality or whatever they should be nameless faceless bland figures out there that are serving a necessary evil that's all they should that's all they should be all right so do you feel this way about baseball too yes okay i would like to see robo exactly take the personalities out okay all right games aren't made for refs all right uh breaking news by the way we got to get to the um our our draft picks but breaking news a couple blazers making the rising stars game the panini rising stars game uh shaden sharp and scoot henderson both on the team your thoughts that's awesome i I mean i'm happy for him Uh, that that's great i guess the marketing plan to put shaden in the all-star game failed but i think that it's awesome that we have two representatives of the game and there's about 30 guys on this roster uh, between the sophomores, the rookies, and then some G League guys invited as well. Uh, Matas Bezelas, Ron Holland, who we talked about last week. and then Ooh, Boy, America- we get to see mid. Yeah. America's sweetheart <laughs> from last year, Mac McClung, will be back in the uh, Rising Stars. Is my, is my boy AJ in this or no? AJ? Who's AJ? AJG, the best shooter that is flopping right now. Uh, AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin. Oh, I uh, don't see. I forgot about him. Uh, and it appears that everybody heart. else did as well, because yeah, he's not on the roster. So my broken heart. I love yep. AJ. So Dad much. gets fired, and he's not on the roster. Not a great, not a great time for the Griffin family. All right, we got to get to our. Uh, we got to get to our draft talk here. This is why I really brought you on. 
Um, so let's talk second round. Last week we talked about some of the top guys, kind of that mid-tier, and then uh, some value in the uh, late first round, you know, talking the playoff teams. Let's talk about some of your favorite second round prospects. I've got some of mine as well. Is there anybody that, you know, and we're kind of going off tankathon for this for this exercise and kind of names they've got there in the in the general vicinity. It doesn't matter, you know, he's going here, he's going here, but the general range that they're projected right now. Who is who do you have your eyes on? Does Tankathon think Eve is good? Eve Mises? Uh let's see where they have him right now. They have got him Yes, they've got him at 17 to your New Orleans Pelicans. I love Eve. He he's center freshman me, center from Baylor. Yeah. One of the best rebounding centers in the last decade. He's a really good Clint Capella type center that I think there's two guys that fit the role of center that can do everything that an NBA team needs to do. Alex Sar and Yves. So, okay. so if Mises is there at 17 and we haven't have that pick, I take him. I would take him in the like at 14 in the lottery because I believe that he's one of those centers that's going to be a starting caliber center for years and years. He has the the blocks. He has the, the rebounding. I mean, he put Flip in a jail when Duke and Baylor played. I really like Eve, and I'm really happy that he is rated 17 now because I thought I was going to have to do a solo podcast on him because he's so – I mean, he, he, he gives you everything you need. Yeah. Blocks, rebounds, uh, alley-oops, points around the basket – Low usage. I really love him. All right. Well, he's not exactly a second round guy, but we'll take, we'll take that. But okay, let's well, talk. I, I was actually shocked he was that. Yeah, high okay, you thought he was a second round guy, but you think he's a first round talent? Late clearly, first. clearly. Yeah, I, I would draft him lottery in this okay. one. Sure. Okay, I've got a couple names for you, and I've been harping on this one guy for a couple years now. Deron Holmes out of Dayton. I know you love yourself some Deron. Have you gotten a chance to check him out at all? Maybe a game or two, but nothing like I. Tell me about him. He's he keeps improving year by year. He's added the three point shot. He's a legitimate outside shooter now. Um, you know, and a quality defender. He can defend in the paint and on the perimeter. Good score down low, but he can step outside as well. Just a really versatile player. I think he, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to go second round, but he's going to be a guy who can step in right away. And the guy I think of. That, that when I watch him is a is a Paul Reed, but a better version of Paul Reed, a bigger, better version of a Paul Reed who has carved out a nice little career for himself as the backup mm-hmm. five man in Philly. I think Deron Holmes is kind of in that mold where and he's more closer to seven foot. I think he's listed six ten, six eleven, uh, and plays pretty big. I really like Deron Holmes. He's a junior now. He keeps getting better year by year. I think this is the time for him to to jump now that he's shown he can get the outside game. I think he's going to be an absolute steal in the second round as he could be one of, the, in my opinion, one of the top backup centers in the league uh, and, and a guy who is capable of stepping in and starting, you know, 15 to 20 games a year and you're feeling pretty good about it. 
So Deron Holmes is a guy from Dayton that I've had my eyes on for a few years now, and I'm happy to see him make that jump because that's what he why he came back was to show he could hit the outside shot. He's hitting it. Dayton's had a really nice year. He is the the man in that system. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch him yet, check out Deron Holmes. That's a guy that I am really excited about in terms of a second round prospect. Uh, I want to talk about a couple Kansas guys. As you know, Kansas on TV, national TV a lot. You get a lot of opportunities to watch them. I want to talk about some of their guys that are more, in my opinion, kind of second round prospects. I haven't even checked if they're on Tankathon or not. I don't know that either of them are. I don't think they are, to be honest, but but they're on often. they're on my board. Uh Dewan Harris, veteran point guard, savvy. Now he's undersized. He's about probably realistically what like five nine but a, a really mm-hmm. strong passer can step out and shoot. I think you talk about a guy who can come in and be a, a dependable backup. Now he's listed at six two. I don't I don't believe I don't that. think I think he's uh faking the funk. He must have yeah. those risers issues. I guess. Okay. Six two is way off in my opinion. <laughs> but he's a really good player. A, a, another guy improves year by year in Kansas. He's used to playing at a big time level. I think he could step in and be a quality backup point guard in the NBA. KJ Adams, the guy I've been watching, um, you know, he can't really mm-hmm. shoot. And that's gonna be the big knock on that's him. An issue. <laughs> it is an issue. But he's a quality defender, uh tremendous athlete, great at the rim in terms of a lob threat I could see him being a guy that that teams could um could take a swing at um you know he's been around for this is his third year now have you got a chance to I, I mean I know I know you've seen him what do you Kansas what do you think of his game yeah exactly what do you what do you think of KJ Adams <laughs> I, I think the lack of shooting might be an issue I think but we're talking second round guys so it's like it's at this point we're talking more he's kind of a defensive specialist coming off your bench is that is that a guy you think would be worthy of a of a second round pick for a team yeah i i i think when you're in this draft you're definitely finding trying to find a a role for a player so if they they uh hit that i think that's good so you want me to go second round i don't know second if tankathon has aj johnson on their uh boards where's he play he's from uh uh the nbl uh i'm not seeing him on here tell us about him all right boom so that that, you challenged me for a second round pick i'm gonna go with a guy who barely plays in australia all right that's about as second round as you get well so here's the deal he wanted to get paid and go to australia and then Australia is not trying to develop young talent for the NBA, so he plays like five minutes a game. Same and, kind of thing you talked about last week with the one of the top prospects, Alex Saar, where yeah, he's more of a role player there. But AJ, when he like goes to camps in America, like he went to the Chris Paul uh, uh, point guard camp this summer and was doing moves, and Chris Paul was saying, I played that perfectly, and he still scored. So he's getting all this credit from USA, uh, like legends like Chris Paul, and then goes to Australia and is playing five minutes off the ball. But when he gets that on-ball creation, he's he's awesome. But it's just like in five-minute stints. So if he, I think he was signed to Texas. If he went to Texas, he'd be a top ten guy. But because he went to Australia, he's struggling to get minutes on a competitive Australian basketball team. Um, another. Can I go again? Yeah, yeah. Another guy I really, really, I, I, I he's the, uh, the playmaking upside guy that I'm putting my, that I would be betting on, 
Dylan Jones from Weber State, mm. he just is a basketball fiend. He like, I watched some of his YouTubes where he's breaking up the, down the game and what he can and cannot do. He's a forward 6'6", six, six, but I really do believe in his playmaking upside. He is somebody that we should be keeping our eyes on because drafting a guard out of Weber State worked pretty damn well <laughs> for us the first time. And then the second time, I'm willing to take a, a, a bet on his creation upside to have a 6'6 six, six lead guard in the second round. All right. He is at 38 right now on Tankathon. Boom. So 19 points, 10 boards, 5 assists. Two steals, 6'6", 235, senior at Weber State. Uh, one other guy I got for you, he's been in college a long time. He's been banged up the last couple of years, but I still like his I, – I still think he's worth a flyer on because of his, his skill set. It's Xavier Johnson, point guard at uh, Indiana. Um, this is a guy who started at – uh, Pittsburgh was a you know really high level player there. This is his sixth year in college, so he's older. But uh, you know he struggled this year with injury, struggled last year with injury. So uh, I don't think that there's a much hype on him left at this point. But he's a guy that I've been watching. That I is just a, a pure point guard who can step out and shoot the three. Another guy like a Dewan Harris, although he's a lot bigger. Um, I, I think that and he's a strong defender too. You know, averages over a steal uh, a game in his career. I, I think that he's a guy who. Uh, you're talking like kind of a late second round pick, maybe even an undrafted free agent. He's a guy who could come in and play right away, assuming that he can stay healthy and be a quality backup point guard in this league. Have you got a chance to check him out at all? I feel like Indiana's guards are the worst in the. Uh, well, NCAA, he's hardly pl- so he's hardly my, played. I, he's having a bad. He's having a bad year. To watch Indiana guards. Uh, fair. He's having a bad year. Uh, he's been banged up. He's had a bad last couple years being banged up. But if you go watch his his time at Pitt, you watch his first year at Indiana. He's clearly got what it takes. Uh, another Indiana guy I want to talk about real quick: uh, Kalel Ware, former yeah. Oregon center, getting really a, a more of a chance to play now. Now he's been banged up, but uh, any any thoughts on Kalel Ware, a center at Indiana, probably going to come out this year? Do you think he's better than Eve? No, I also don't like his attitude. Okay. And, yeah, and yeah, I'm looking right. here. He's actually they've got it. Tankathon's actually got him in the first round as well. They've got him in 18, which I think is very high. I think that that's crazy if he's ahead of you because I don't think that he has it. I don't think that he indeed he defensively is okay at at certain things, but he just doesn't have the full package of what you need as an NBA big right now he doesn't have the motor either he there was rumors that he had a pretty bad attitude during his time at Oregon I don't know if that's improved at all at uh Indiana but yeah if you're looking to both those guys I'm taking Eve Missy right now uh, from yep. Baylor but interesting both those guys are are uh, just outside the lottery talking about tankathon and we've got a long way to go we've still got it like five months till the draft so a lot can change but interesting that those guys are are right there back to back kind of polar opposites in terms of uh player profile all right sage any any final thoughts for us to uh and uh let us know when the uh who the next future friday is going to be for the holy backboard so we're doing Jacoby Walter, okay, the Baylor uh, star, one of the wing. top American college players. Yep, my number one player on my board. Okay, and then I'm gonna do the PJ Hall episode tomorrow. I'm gonna record it and then bring it out. So there'll be Jacoby Walter, PJ Hall coming out on the Holy Backboard, and you can check out the YouTube and Instagram and TikTok for the you know shortened clips as well. All right, perfect. PJ Hall right now thirty on Tankathon, so he's you know. Probably a second round guy, late first. Well, 
this will give folks a chance to listen to your podcast as well. How about that? Uh, so I you like can it. that's coming out Friday, or are you going early again? <laughs> I'll go early again. But. Future Friday on a Thursday, maybe a Wednesday. Future Who knows? Friday on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> you just get too excited. All right, folks. Damian yeah. Lillard back in time, back in town tomorrow night. If you're going to game, be sure to give him a a nice ovation. I hope he has a really, uh, really strong game. I hope he comes out and makes a statement against the Blazers. Sags, thanks for joining me again today, uh, buddy, and look forward to uh, catching your podcast on PJ Hall. Thank you so much. Peace out, everybody. All right. That's going to do it for us today. We'll be back at it better than ever next week. Sam Arnold should be back. We'll see. I might have to rope Sage in another week. We'll, we'll, I'll touch base with Sam here, uh, the traveling man himself uh, out there in the music world. But that's going to do it for us today. Uh, for Dylan Sage, for Stephen Glickman, I'm Ryan Buchanan signing off uh, here on Blazers Edge Radio. But stick around with X-Ray, X, X-ray FM as we've got Flying Saucer Safari coming up next.